and uh, this message is called Found in Faithfulness. And I'm going to be speaking out of the book of Judges, which is a book in the Old Testament, uh, and looking at a story of a character in the Old Testament whose name was or is Gideon. You may have heard of Gideon, may even know the story, may be familiar with it. Uh, I'll fill you in on a little bit of the details if you're not, but um, let's dive right in. So uh, some of the scriptures will come up on the, uh, on the screen. There's a little bit of Bible I'm reading through just to give a little bit of the background, uh, but there's much to learn, many insights to uh, gather and glean from these scriptures. So follow along as I just read a couple of verses. So they, it's talking about the Midianites, which is a, uh, a tribe in the Old Testament, uh, the Midianites, they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Talking about the land where the Israelites were living at the time. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So you might ask, what does a medieval Middle Eastern confederacy have to do with me and my life in the 21st century? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Just as a bit of foundation, I know there's a number of new Christians here, people maybe not familiar with the scriptures, maybe not familiar with uh, how the Bible works, but the Bible has been given us to show us how to live a life that firstly pleases God and is the best life that you can live in the here and now. It's eternal, <clears throat> it's uh, divine, and it meets and speaks to every generation, every age group, uh, every ethnicity at the same time. It's not specific, even though it was written at a specific time because it's God's word, it applies to every life in every time. And so our job is to read it and to ask God to show us what does it mean for me today? What is this saying to me in my life and how I can follow God and live the life that he's called me to live, pleasing him and fulfilling everything that he's called me to do? That's why we have the Bible, to live out and to find the lessons that are in it, which are timeless and they are eternal. Romans 15.4 says this, it's a book in the New Testament, for everything, everyone say everything, everything that was written in the past, so it's talking about the Old Testament or the Old Scripture, Scriptures that are in the Bible, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Isn't that incredible? So that everything that was written, everything that we read in the Scriptures, everything that God has put together has been given to us, firstly, so that we have endurance. In other words, you don't give up. You don't get discouraged. You don't feel like, oh, it's never going to work out for me. The Scriptures bring endurance. And they also bring encouragement that we might have hope. Hope in a better future. Hope in the transformation of our circumstances. Hope in answers to prayer. That's what the Bible does. Every time we listen to it, preach, taught or read, we're reading it ourselves. God is speaking to us 
applying it to our heart so that we might be encouraged to continue to believe and to continue to move forward. Because everyone gets discouraged at different points and times in their life, don't they? Where you think, I don't know if this is going to work. That's exactly the situation that Gideon was in right here when we read this story. The Midianites had swarmed in. They'd taken over. They'd ravaged the land. They'd impoverished the Israelites. Um, And therefore... um, This story speaks to our world. I'm going to unfold it and uh, unwrap it a little bit. But the important thing also to remember about the Scriptures is we don't get to pick and choose which parts of the Scriptures we like and which parts of the Scriptures we don't like. The Bible is not an all-you-can-eat buffet (laughs) where you walk along and you go, oh, yeah, I'll have a little bit of that. No, I won't have any of that. I'll, I'll have a little bit of this. I'll have a little bit of that. It's not like a yum cha restaurant. You know, where they bring the, oh yeah, I'll have one of those, or oh, oh no, I don't like that, I'll have that. No, the scripture comes and God says, this is what is the best for you. We don't always like it at times. We don't always like what we hear. If you've sat here and listened to me preach and you've never thought, I don't like that, you're not listening. <laughs> God's word comes to challenge us. To inspire us, to encourage us, but also to challenge us. Challenge the way we live, challenge the way we think that we might begin to align ourselves with the way God says is the best way to live our lives and to impact this world for His glory and His kingdom. So, you know, in the Bible, just like in Yamcha, there are chicken feet. I don't know if you've ever been to Yamcha and eaten chicken feet. There used to be a guy in our church, Chinese guy, and he would often take me out for lunch and he'd always take me to Yamcha because he worked in Chinatown and he would always order in Chinese and every time the food turned up there was chicken feet. At first I didn't like chicken feet but after a while I got to like chicken feet. But in the Bible there's some chicken feet, there's some stuff you think I don't like that. That doesn't matter, that doesn't mean we go oh, I, don't, I, 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 won't, I won't read that, I won't listen to that, I won't apply that, I, I don't want anything to do with that. There's also some braised tripe. Anyone ever had braised tripe at uh, Yum Cha? Turnip cake. <laughs> there's some things that, uh, there's some other things that come past. I don't know what they are, but um, some of them don't taste that nice. But then there's also pork buns. Who likes pork buns? I love the pork buns. I love the salt and pepper tripe. I love the salt and pepper squid. I love the duck. there's so many things that I do like and the scriptures are like that as well but if we only ever go to the scriptures that we like that's like going to and only ever eating you know the sweets only ever eating the food and never eating the stuff that's actually good for us then we're never going to have a balanced diet when it comes to understanding what God is saying and applying it to our lives so I encourage you to find scriptures at times when, the, when you're reading things like this or, or you're sitting there and listening and God is mentioning something or something stands out that you don't just go, oh, no, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to do that. It can apply to any area. It can apply to tithing. Oh, I, don't, I don't like tithing. I don't want to do tithing. It doesn't matter. God says to do it. If you do, he doesn't do it because he's, uh, he's uh, pernicious or that he's... Uh, is vindictive or anything like that because he goes, this is the best way. If you're living in a place of faith and trust in God, you're opening yourself up to his miraculous power in your life. If you're in a position where you're self-contained, you don't need to trust God, whether it be financially, relationally, emotionally, then 
guess what? You exclude God from your world and your life. And that, that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell. doesn't mean you're a bad person. But it just means God goes, okay, well, if you don't need me in that area, if you're not going to trust me in that area, then I won't get involved in that area. What often happens, though, thank you, John. <laughs> so, uh, so, so we take the scriptures and we, and we begin to listen and ask God, how can I live this out? How do I work this into my world so that I please you, so that my life is pleasing to you? Um, that's why they call it the Old and the New Testament. This is a bit of a Bible lecture at the moment. Um, but I think it's important that we get some background when it comes to understanding why are we reading this book. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, hopefully I don't talk all day today, but <laughs> Old and New Testament. A testament is a will. You know, when someone dies, family member dies, and they, and they leave you a will, and everyone goes, praise God. <laughs> um, so a will is a testament. A, last, a will and a last testament forms the foundation of an estate plan that is the key instrument used to ensure that the estate is settled in the manner desired. You write a will, it's called a, a, a last will and testament. You say, this is what I don't want done with my money, this is what I want done with my property, this is what I want done with all my stuff. You don't turn up to a, with the executor when they begin to read out a will and go, hold on, what do you mean only 40%? I'm not happy with that. I'm going to take 60%. No, you don't. I mean, you can contest the will if there's... A lot of people might want to do that these days. But the idea is the person that wrote the will says, this is what I want you to have. This is what I want you to have. This is what I want you to have. You don't go in there and go, oh, let's make a deal. I'll hate this, but I don't want to have that. No, it's a will and it's a testament. That's why God wrote the Bible. Well, this is a phone, but the Bible's on here. He said, this is my last will and testament. You don't get to pick and choose what you like and you don't like, what I will do and I won't do. He goes, if you do this, this is what I have for you, you will be blessed. Your life will work out. Things will work out for you. You will go through some tough times because that's life, but in the end, it'll all work out if you do what I asked you to do. That's why it's there. I would encourage you, as we, each and every Sunday when we come in, we listen to the Bible, you go, how can I apply this to my life? Not, oh, I don't like that, I do like this. Take it all and go, oh, this is confusing, this is challenging, this is unsettling, this is uncomfortable. Then that's good. It's good that you're in a place sometimes where you're uncomfortable. God is challenging you to move out of a comfort zone, out of a status quo, increase your capacity, learn to trust in God, step out in faith and watch what he does in your world. Is everyone ready for that? Yeah, give the Lord a hand. So, in these scriptures, God is teaching us a story. And when it comes to Gideon, we go, well, how does this apply to my life and what's happening here? So Midian, in the original language, that word Midian, everything that happens in the Bible is, in the Old Testament is metaphorical, it's allegorical, it was historical in the sense that the events actually happened, but God applies them to our own life. Midian, the word Midian means conflict, it means discord, it means struggle, it means strenuous effort, it means friction. So when, we sat, when the Bible says the Midianites came into the Israelites' world, came into Gideon's world, 
it, it's reflective of our own lives where we begin to deal with conflict, discord, struggle, strenuous effort, friction. Is that, is that talking to anybody in this place today where you're dealing with anything like that? Conflict. Discord, struggle, can be at work, can be in a marriage, can be in a family, can be in a relationship, can be with neighbours, can be anywhere. That's, if, if you've dealt with that or dealing with that at, at the moment, then this story is talking to you. Sometimes God allows the Midianites to come into our world. Why? Because he's capricious? No. Because he wants to get our attention. If you read the backstory to this story with Gideon, the Israelites had turned away from God. They'd walked away from God. They were going their own way. And God's like, hey, I want to bring you back to my way, to the best way. I, I want to see your life blessed. God knows the best life, the most blessed life is when we're walking in his will. So he allowed the Midianites to come into the Israelites' territory to get their attention. That scripture says that all of a sudden there was, there was strife, there was discord, there was struggle. They were finding, um, as that scripture said, they were impoverished, so finances were drying up. And they go, oh, who knows when your finances start drying up, maybe you lose your job, maybe there's a cutback, fear of retrenchment, stuff like happens. Who knows God gets your attention when stuff like that happens. Now, he doesn't do it because he is uh, angry with us or anything like that. He does it because he wants to motivate us. He allows sometimes challenges in our world because he wants to motivate us to reach out to him and walk in a way that trusts him for the best outcome. Um, so the Midianites come. They came into Israel's world and God will allow them in our world at times because he wants us to get to the point where we go, I am sick of this. Has anyone ever been to the, at the point where you go, I am sick of these circumstances. I am sick of this fight. I am sick of feeling like I'm never getting ahead. I'm sick of feeling like no matter what I do, nothing seems to change. Um, so God allowed the Midianites, not out of malice, but for motivation, that we would turn to God and go, God, I want my life to change. I want my circumstances to change. I want my future to change. God is just waiting for us to reach out to him so that he can get involved in our circumstances and move us on to what he has for us. Does anybody want that here this morning? I know I do. So verse 11 says this, so they cry out and then God answers. Who knows, when you cry out to God, God will answer. He will always answer if you reach out to him. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak uh, in Oprah. Oh, Oprah's in the Bible. Um, <laughs> that belonged to Joash, the Abrezite, <laughs> where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. So here's this guy, uh, Gideon, probably a, a, a older teenager, possibly young adult uh, at the time. And it says he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Who knows that a wine press was not designed nor built to thresh wheat. A wine press was built for wine. Um, so what's this telling us? So what this means is, so a wine represents joy. In the Bible, wine represents joy. 
Treading out the wheat, wheat represents sustenance, it represents survival, it represents just the day-to-day. So what this is saying is they were in a place where they were enduring life, but they weren't enjoying life. They were just trudging out the day-to-day, but there was no joy. They were in a place where joy was possible in a wine press, but they weren't experiencing it. Does that speak to anyone here today? Where you're like, you know what, I just feel like I'm enduring life. I'm not enjoying life. Things just don't seem to be changing. They're not moving ahead. That's not, I don't believe that's what God wants for my life. And if you think that, you are right. Then you've got to ask, then what needs to change? The first thing is we need to call out to God and say, God, I don't want to be in this place anymore. I don't want to be going round and round the mulberry bush. I don't want to just feel like I'm just... uh, working hard and going nowhere. I don't want to feel like I'm working hard and never getting ahead financially. I feel like, like, you know, there's holes in my pockets. I get this money, it just seems to go away. I'm not getting ahead. That's not the life God has for us. So we've got to think, well, what is it? And it's not always one particular thing, but we go to God's Word and ask God to show us what we need to change, what we can do to, to take ourselves into the place that He's got for us. So we find these steps in Gideon's life. They're in a place where they're enduring, they're not enduring, they're impoverished, things aren't working out, um, and they've cried out to God. God turns up and begins to speak to Gideon and tells him some things that we can apply to our own life. Number one, what we learn from what God says to, to Gideon is we need to change, we need a change of perspective to see yourself the way God sees you. So in Judges 6, the angel comes down. Here's Gideon. He's hiding in a wine press. He's treading out grain. And the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. It says in verse 12, and it says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Your identity will always determine your destiny. Your identity. That's why we're running this course, Identity with Christ. If you're still thinking about doing that course, then you need to do it. Because your identity, how you see yourself, will always determine the decisions that you make for your future. Therefore, your identity will determine your destiny. You will always make decisions based out of how you feel about yourself, who you think you are, what you think you're worth. That's why oftentimes... People go through abusive relationships over. You think, why would you go back into an abusive relationship where people are just going to take advantage of you? And yet, and yet this cyclical effect because deep down that person feels like that's all they deserve. That's all they should have. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the, this angel comes down and says to Gideon, Gideon, the Lord's with you, you mighty warrior. We can't base our identity on our circumstances. If he had a base on his circumstances, he said, Gideon, you wuss bag, hiding in a wine press, why don't you get out there and do something? In reality, that's what the circumstances were saying. You're afraid, you're fearful, you are not doing anything. Um, But the angel doesn't come down and go, Oh, he doesn't speak to Gideon about where he is right now, what his circumstances are. He talks about how God's made him. He says, you are a warrior. Inside of you is a warrior. Despite the circumstances that you find yourself in right now, 
inside of you, I made you and called you to be a warrior. God began to speak to the calling and the, and the internal um, uh, creation that God had called him to be. That's why it's so important that we don't listen to uh, our circumstances or the voices of our society or whatever determine our value, our dignity, our significance. They've got to come from God. When, some, when we look at our circumstances and say, I'm poor, or I'm ugly, or I'm hopeless, or I'm useless, or I'm stuck, or whatever it is, a plethora of ideas, it talks about based on where we are right now, then we are limiting God's ability to take us out and into our future. Because if we're just saying, well, I am what my circumstances say I am, then we no longer are who God made us to be. But God's saying to Gideon, and he's saying to you, you are a mighty warrior. That's why we've got to take God's scriptures and begin to speak them over our life as opposed to what the circumstances say. 1 John 4.4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You might go, well, I don't believe that. You might not believe it based on what your circumstances are telling you, but God says... Just like God said to Gideon, you're a mighty warrior, not based on his circumstances, based on who God had made him to be. God is saying to you here this morning, there's a greater one inside of you than, in, than any circumstance or situation or challenge or mountain that you might face inside of you. If you're a Christian, if Christ is in you, there is one greater than any challenge that you will face, any circumstance that's going to come before you. Philippians 4.13 you can do all things through Christ. You can do all things through Christ. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. <laughs> Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. This is what God says. And we can choose to believe what our circumstances are saying or what God says. And if we believe what God says, it will begin to affect and influence the outcome and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that God's Word becomes real in our life and actually changes the future. Um, and so we just got to believe God's Word. We've got to hold on to it. There's processes, obviously, of confessing, of believing, of standing in faith, of prayer, and all these areas. But when we do it, God says, this will work out. All, all things will work out for your good. What a comfort to know that, that if I'm putting my trust in God, doesn't matter what comes away, this circumstance, this situation, this thing, this mountain, this giant, whatever it is that's facing, these Midianites that are coming in is going to work out for my good if I put my trust in God. It's going to work out. What a comfort to know that. That's like sitting down at the 2008 NRL Grand Final replay, which was the year Manly beat Melbourne 40 to nil. <laughs> I know, I know I'm living in the past, <laughs> but uh, some, sometimes that's all we got. <laughs> 2008 grand final, Manly beat Melbourne 40 to nil, or, or some other great sporting victory or a Tour de France stage from the past or something like that, some great victory, and you watch a replay, how well, I've watched that. In fact, me and Sam, my second son, were watching the, um, the 2008 Grand Final the other day. What a game! It's great to watch it. It's exciting. It's, 
it's exuberating. But I don't sit there on the edge of my seat go, I wonder what's going to happen. Oh, I can't believe it. And they score a trial. We get a trial. No, I know what's going to happen. I'm enjoying the, the game. I'm enjoying the tries. I can sit back. I'm not stressed like at a state of origin game or something like that where you don't know the outcome. I can go, this is great to watch, but I know the outcome. That's what God's saying about his scriptures, that we don't need to sit there all anxious and fearful and worried and afraid about what's going to happen in the future. He says, I'm going to work everything out for your good. I'm going to work it out. If you trust me, if you do what I say, if you follow my path, it's all working together for good, no matter what comes into your life. That's a good thing to know. So you can sit down and you can go, that doesn't mean you don't have to do anything, but just like watching an old replay, you don't need to be fearful about the, the outcome. God is working it out for your good. That's comforting to know. Um, I know I'm going to win, and that's what God's word says. Although life's not a rerun, we can trust in him and he's going to work it out. Romans 4.17, who, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. So instead of speaking and confessing and regurgitating what's happening right now and the fear and the concern and the worry and the anxiety about this situation, this relationship, our job, our business, our career, instead of regurgitating the facts or the circumstances and reinforcing fear, worry, doubt and anxiety, the Bible says begin to speak God's word and God's promises, those things that don't currently exist, but begin to speak them like they already exist. And guess what? They will exist. That's what faith is. That's the power of God's word, that in it is the power of life, the power to change the circumstances. God's word is not just like any other book. It's alive. It's seeds, the Bible says. And when you put those seeds into a circumstance and you water them with faith and you stand upon them, they will sprout out the promises which are held within, just like a seed. I don't put an orange seed in the ground and get surprised when an orange tree comes up. Wow, I thought that was going to be an apple tree. I'm shocked. No, inside of an apple seed is an apple tree. Inside of an orange seed is an orange tree. Inside of God's Word, which is called a seed when watered with faith, is the promise which it's attached to. That's why it says, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things he has foretold and promised as if they'd already existed. R Romans 12. Thanks. I'm going to finish up soon. I'm running out of time. I'm, I'm only up to my first point. Mate, I've got seven pages here. <laughs> anyway, I won't, I won't keep you here much longer. A few more minutes. And if you believe that... <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Romans 12, 2 says this, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. 
How does God change you? How does he change your circumstances? By changing the way you think. The way you think about yourself, the way you think about your life, the way you think about God, the way you think about other people, and the way you think about your future. Romans 8, 28, I said before, all things work together for good for those who love God. Man, if you want to get a tattoo, that's the tattoo you should be getting. Not these other shockers that I see around the place. Not in this place, but... <laughs> um, if I ever get a tattoo, which I probably won't, it's my kids that kill me, that's my tattoo, Romans 8, 28. Hmm, no, I won't. <laughs> 60th. <laughs> no, not happening. Um, so, uh, okay, quickly, I just, I, I'll, I'll just do one more point quickly and then that's, I'll get through half my message, but I'll, I'll do the rest of it some other time. Change, so number one, you've got to change your perspective. Number two, you've got to change your focus. And we get this out of the very next verse. I read this quote somewhere. It says, most people's minds are like concrete, mixed up and permanently set. <laughs> it takes the word of God to actually come in and begin to jackhammer some of our ingrained paradigms, concepts, precepts, foundations that we're building our life on that are wrong. That have come just through our upbringing or our certain training or whatever. And yet it's, it's opposed to what God's Word says. God's Word is the truth. And if what we're doing or the way we're living opposes what God says is the best way, then we need to change. We need to change. Um, so verse 13, But sir, Gideon says to the angel that says, um, he says to him, uh, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. And Gideon's response is, if the Lord is with us, why has all this stuff happened? And where are all these wonders about that our fathers uh, told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of the Midians. So he's looking at the circumstances and he's saying, God's abandoned us. God's not for me. God's against me. God's abandoned me. I'm left on my own. I'm left to my own devices based on what he's seeing, his perception of the circumstances. But he doesn't realize, as we see back into the earlier part, the only reason God allowed the Midianites into their world was to get their attention, not out of malice, but to motivate them to begin to trust God and to move in the direction he had for them because God is a God of love and he knows what the best thing is for their life. And so he's looking at the circumstances saying God's abandoned us. And the angel's coming and goes, no, he hasn't. God's actually with you. And Gideon's like, no, he's not with me. If God was with me, none of this stuff would be happening. And he goes, no, he is with you. And the only reason this stuff's going on is to cause you to put your trust in him and get a victory that you would never have got if you hadn't faced these circumstances or this situation. God is on your side. God is for you. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. So, um, and so we've got, just got to believe what God says. Begin to speak it, begin to walk it out, and it will turn around. Notice one thing, uh, the angel didn't ever say, when he said, oh, why has this happened, why has this happened? The angel never answers that question. Why did this happen, why did that happen, why, why this, why that, why that? Sometimes God doesn't tell us why, but you notice that he'll always tell us how. 
He will never, he doesn't, sometimes he will, but oftentimes he doesn't tell us why a circumstance happened, why this situation happened, why this is the way it is, but you notice he will always tell us how to change it. He won't always answer the question why, but he'll always answer the question how. If you're not happy with the way it is, you're not happy with what's happened, you're not happy with what you're dealing with right now, then God will say, I'm going to show you how to change that. You don't have to deal with it. You don't have to face it. It's not going to have a hold on you anymore. This is the way out of your captivity. This is the way out of your circumstances. This is the way out of what you're facing right now. You don't focus on what you don't have. You focus on what you can have, as God says. Um, Final one of six. Um, change, Change of responsibility. This is really, really important because oftentimes... We spend our lives blaming other people, blaming God, blaming this, blaming that for why we are where we are. It says in verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, he said to Gideon, he's saying, you're not happy with the circumstance, you're not happy what's going on at the moment. He says to them, then go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. You're not happy with the circumstance, you're not happy with what's going on. You're not happy with the fact that you feel like you're just working for nothing, never getting ahead, um, struggling, you're not thriving, just surviving. He says, and I've given you the strength to go out and change your life. Change of responsibility. What's he saying? He's saying that you are the answer to your life. You are the answer. You're God's answer for your circumstances. You're God's answer for your future. You're God's answer. For your life. And Gideon says, as we often do at times, me, (laughs) me, my master, how and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. Look at me. (laughs) Look at me. (laughs) I didn't know know Kath and Kim were in the Bible, but there you go. (laughs) Look at me. So Gideon's going, what are you talking about? Are you kidding? Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. He's going, I cannot do it. And we all feel that at times, don't we? I can't do this. I can't change this. I can't do it. But God is saying, and this is so important, I'm going to finish with this. God, you are God's answer. For your life. Do not try and transfer that responsibility onto somebody else. It's their responsibility. It's their fault. Therefore, they should change my life. They're going to give me something. No, you're the answer. You are the answer. Inside of you, when you've got Jesus Christ, inside of you is everything you need to change your life, to change your marriage, your family your future, your career, whatever it is. You're the one. Go with the strength you have. But I don't have enough strength. Yes, you have. And Jesus says that everything and every area that you're deficient, I will make up. If you step out, if you trust me, do what I ask. Do it my way. 
You're the answer for your business. You're the answer for your financial future. You are the answer. Father, I thank you that inside of us, when we have you, Lord, we have everything we need to change, everything that needs changing. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your promises. Thank you, God, for your spirit that we can leave this place and change our life and change this world, change our world. 